Keep the lights on. Oh, baby, by the way. Oh, baby, by the way. Tell me no, I want you. Tell me no, what I want you. All right, all right. That's enough, nigga. You got me singing all hard and shit. Got way too much gunk in my neck. Uh, and we back again. Welcome to the BZ Podcast. Uh, this is Zay, as always, and I'm here with... Britt. And uh, how are you, first and foremost? Chilling. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, it's a nice Sunday night. It was cold as shit this weekend. Was it? Pretty chilling. It was chilly today. Um, all right. Chilly every day. All right, enough filler conversation talking about the right? weather and the shit, right? Because I care. Yeah, get to it, nigga. Shit. All right. Um, first and foremost, we want to shout out to everybody who reached out with feedback last week's episode. Yes, thank you to those of you who submitted topics for us to talk about. Much appreciated. Added yep. those to the Google Doc. Yeah, Google <laughs> Doc. We got a Google Doc with a whole bunch of topics. So <laughs> please keep sending them over. Anything you want us to speak about? Um, special shout out to uh the homegirl nikki she sent me an article last week i was speaking on cult leaders and how i rarely come across women cult leaders and the correlation i was trying to make is that male cult leaders always end up turning into some sex shit mm-hmm. and maybe that's the reason why we don't see women as much because that's probably just not the motivation for as many women as it is men but the article she sent was a list of women cult leaders, and at least two or three of them had that like sexual weird shit going on. So <laughs> what they do? <clears throat> yeah, honestly, like they were more cutthroat than the dudes. I feel sometimes, like they were like raping children and stuff. Oh God! Yeah, it's horrible. Jesus. But thank Good. you, Nick. Thank you, Nikki. I love that <laughs> Thanks, stuff. Thanks, Nikki. <laughs> <laughs> we appreciate the information. Um, mm-hmm. Also, had a conversation with the homie Lur Stevens. He called me immediately after I said last episode, is Summer Walker the new Lauren Hill? <laughs> <laughs> he had some choice words for me, but um, nah, it, it started there and ended up going all over the place. Uh, landed somewhere between appreciating your success and what happiness means, but conversation got cut short, but it was really dope. So again, we encourage y'all to reach out. Let us know your thoughts. It's cool that we come together and we speak to y'all every week. But it's even better if we can hear y'all thoughts back to us. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we get started, I also want to plug, if you are in the Philly area, December 20th, that's a Friday. Is that next week or no, in two the weeks? week after. Okay, yeah. So December 20th, the move. <clears throat> Excuse me, golly. Jesus. Jesus Christ. Crusty ass. All right, nigga. All right. Uh, <laughs> December, <laughs> December 20th, the move experience uh, from 7 p.m. to 11.30. The location is 4135 Cambridge Street, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, 19104. Uh, tickets are up on Lur Stevens' page and the move experience at the move experience. I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. Um. It's a show. It's a showcase. It got some really dope talent coming up there and performing. They're all friends of the podcast. One Take Dave, Lur Stevens, yeah, Bully, EBN Squadron, host of other people that uh, I'm not prepared to speak on right now. But uh, <laughs> you can get your tickets if you buy them ahead of time. Seven bucks. Oh, no, I got it right here. We got Swipe. We got Hads with the Tats. We got Derek Jawan, One Take Dave, Mitch Lakes, vendors, sponsors, Bree. Alexis Beauty and Guru House will all be in the building. So you got your tickets, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, I got my tickets too. So why'd I say it like duh, nigga? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Can't wait. It's gonna be mad fun. Yeah, can't wait. Can't wait. So, uh, what are we talking about today, Britt? Right. I mean, Jesus. Let's get to it, huh? All yeah. right. So today we are speaking on the importance of touch. And this came to me because I came across an article that came out last week uh, from the Philadelphia Inquirer, and it was on professional cuddling. <laughs> and <laughs> now my like now I'm clearing my throat. I'm making fun of you. Okay. All right. So, um, this a company called Cuddlist. And Cuddlist. Cuddlist. And they, that's kind of like the hub because they're all over throughout the United States. But it's a four-year-old company offering a therapeutic approach to touch. And it has 200 practitioners across the nation who allow people into their homes or go where their clients designate to hug, spoon, snuggle, and pet in a near-infinite menu of platonic touches. Yeah, so you you told me about this, right? And I heard about professional yeah, cuddlers right. like a couple years ago, mm-hmm. but I never like looked into it. Same. But um, you want to feel a little bit uncomfortable? Go to YouTube and watch professional cuddler videos. <laughs> I haven't watched any. Yeah, I watched one, and it was just like, ooh, this seems so awkward. Like they were just like, it it was a oh she, a woman was the professional cuddler, and mm-hmm. she had to like go through everything and explain to this guy how to cuddle. Mm-hmm. Or what's what's a bad zone? What's a good <laughs> zone? Like, oh yeah, I think I'm okay with you touching my wrist like that. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, it was very awkward. But hey, I guess if you need after it, a while, maybe the awkwardness phases. It's just awkward to us because it's unknown. So we never did it. Yeah. I don't know, but <laughs> you have to pay for somebody to touch you. Well, kind of. I mean, like we pay for massages. We do. So, I mean, hey, I'm not going to knock it. Um, But, yeah, like, I mean, the touches, (laughs) Jesus, the touches can be something where, you know, you're fully embracing someone just to as light as just an arm on the shoulder. Mm -hmm. Everyone wants something different from what I was looking into it. Um, So somebody might just want to sit next to someone. Or just make eye contact or play a board game. They have like a bunch of different stuff, I guess. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe someone wants to lie in on on your lap. I don't know. But hey, it's interesting. <laughs> could, you, could you be a professional cuddler? <laughs> probably. You could? Yeah. I probably could too. But then you got to like touch people's skin. Like, you know, that's somebody you really don't want to be in contact with. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, you can get real, like, personal hygiene is, like, real. Oh, damn, yeah. Yeah, think about that. I know. Yeah, I, I'm saying I could be, but I don't know realistically if I really could be. Right. But, um, all right, so, well, would you, like, consider yourself to be, like, a hugger? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm a hugger. I'm a hugger, too. I'm a toucher. I'm a toucher <laughs> and a hugger. That sounds so weird. That sounds right? like a creep. Are you a hugger? I'm a hugger. <laughs> I, hug, I hug the shit out your girl. oh my gosh but information i was looking at online a lot of them were pointing to social media being having a negative effect on our relationship with touch to each other nowadays um they were saying that when we finally do get around each other 
Um, we're often listening to music, checking our phones. So you're still not giving that opportunity for contact to happen. Mm-hmm. And also, um, I saw that someone was doing um, like a study watching people at airports. I don't know when this happened exactly, but they went to two different airports and did not see anyone touching. Now, they said that normally when you go into an airport, because there's a lot of waiting around back before smartphones becoming popular, a lot of people would, you know, be sitting there like hugging each other, resting on each other, you know, like Mm. napping on each other. And just nowadays, everybody's on their phone, including the kids on the tablets. (laughs) People were laying on each other. Ain't that the worst, though? Like when you're on public transportation and like the person sitting next to you is falling asleep and laying on your shoulder. I don't think I want that. I mean, but, like, if you're at an airport and you got an hour layover, you wouldn't mind your significant other resting their head on oh, your shoulder? Oh, I'm saying significant other is fine. Significant oh, you meant other just a is random, fine. Oh, God, yeah, no. Yeah, random stranger. You ever had that happen? Uh, yeah, I You've been on so. that Chinatown bus. <laughs> Everything happens on that Chinatown bus. <laughs> right. All right, so let's get into it. So, touch defined is to bring a bodily part in contact with, or in other words, to make physical contact with. Mm-hmm. So, when you are deprived of human touch, the term that is used is called skin hunger. And psychologists explain that skin hunger is simply a desire for physical contact with another person. And we tend to think of intimate touch as strictly sexual, but skin hunger is mostly a longing for non-sexual touch. Yeah. That's like crazy how like... We turn like everything sexual Everything is sexual here, I know. In America, at least. Um... And there is a study conducted examining varying levels of skin hunger in about 500 adults. And those who showed higher levels of being touch-deprived were less happy, more lonely, more likely to experience depression and stress, and and in general, just overall worse health. Mm -hmm. And skin hunger isn't necessarily the cause of all these adverse conditions, but people who are significantly devoid of human contact could be at higher risk for them. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you're a touchy sort of person and it feels nice to freely give or receive physical affection, um, you may not feel this as much. But if you're someone who doesn't like physical contact on the regular, especially with people you don't trust, then reaching out for that affection can be a bit more difficult. But this could also mean that your skin hunger might be a bit more elevated due to your resistance to touch people. Have you ever been skin hungry? Can you think of a time that you were skin hungry? That sounds so dirty. Like, why does that? I don't know why that makes me. Skin is like. Right. Uh, no. Fortunately, no. Right. Yeah, I remember, like, I remember I used to have to work sometimes when there was breaks when we was in school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, once you move off of campus, like, you're just not in the mix. Like, you have to, like, actually go downtown mm-hmm. to be in the mix around people. And I don't know if I was skin hungry or just lonely. Mm-hmm. For two weeks. <laughs> he said two weeks. <laughs> two weeks of loneliness. Mm-hmm. But um, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah. I mean, I guess too. Could you be skin hungry for a particular person? Oh yeah. If I mean that's a given. You know I what I so. mean? Like a parent, a sibling, a boyfriend, girlfriend, uh, whatever other cause like family member. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Guess you know. You... Then yeah, I have experienced it then. <laughs> You, you ever, way. like, ran into somebody that gives, like, really good hugs? Mm-hmm. Like, not even in, like, obviously no sexual way, but, like, mm-hmm. missing that type of hug? Yeah. Like, ooh. 
<laughs> Hug that make you feel good. You know what I mean? Right. You gotta make those hugs just last the extra. I hate the quick little pat pats. Like, why'd you even hug me? Yeah. Like embrace. Right. <laughs> Pull me closer. <laughs> Pull me to your chest. Stupid. But yeah, touch definitely has effects on your physical and mental health. Mm-hmm. And it's possible to be touch hungry and not even know it and mistake those symptoms for poor mental health. Uh, wow. People who are touch hungry usually are depressed. And the yeah. connection, sorry, I didn't know if you had something to today. No, no. <laughs> the connection between touch and mental and physical well-being is very potent. Um, the touch, the touch, touch stimulates what is called the vagus nerve. And that has branches that run throughout your entire body. And the nerve's primary role is to slow down your nervous system. And as a result, your heart rate goes down, your blood pressure drops, and your stress hormone or cortisol levels will fall. I saw um, researchers at the Touch Institute found that uh, touch can provide more than temporary pain relief. Mm. So um, it can reduce pain in patients with fibromyalgia. I I have no idea how to say that. (laughs) Fibromyalgia. I'm done. All right. I'm done. All right. (laughs) Oh, because you learned that word before I did? I heard it on a commercial. (laughs) (laughs) Fibromyalgia. Uh, Malaglia. Malaglia. Anyway, so if you know how to say that word, why don't you tell me what it is? Listen, I didn't say, well, I just heard it on a commercial, okay? Sorry for All laughing right. that hard at you. Okay. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so it says uh, touch can enhance the immune function in those with HIV and cancer. So touch pretty much goes way further than just us processing the world around us. And like you were saying before, they say if somebody is like adverse to touch, they'll likely spend less time around people and feel anxious in social situations. And all of that can turn to depression. Yeah. And they also say the calming effect of touch can also improve sleep patterns, allowing you to spend more time in the restorative deep stages of sleep. Yeah. If you want to hear more about that, listen to our episode on sleep. Yeah. Yeah. Good plug. (laughs) Good plug. Have you ever uh, touched somebody and like felt them like clam up? Yeah. Like I'm sure I've done that to someone too. I know like I feel like I've I've probably done that. I always felt like I was making them super uncomfortable. Yeah, some people just don't know how to receive it. Yeah. It's weird. Or, I don't know, they just don't like being touched, which is fine. Um, But yeah, so, babies are, I don't know if they're most affected by touch, would Mm -hmm. you say? You think they're babies? I think, I think there's a point in time uh in one's life cycle where like it's like the development stage and mm-hmm. i think a lot of the things that end up affecting us later on in life are things that happen in childhood or mm-hmm. or different different parts of our adolescent years so mm-hmm. i think yeah i mean if you look at it stuff that happens while the baby's still in the mother's stomach can affect how they come yeah, out yeah you're right yeah, yeah, because they're just sitting there helpless, so they definitely need, they can't actively go out and get touch that they need. Yeah, yeah, and they're relying on touch from the parents, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, in regards to babies and touch, the earliest study 
that I found um, was that scientists, they began investigating skin hunger shortly after the Second World War. And they called these experiments controversial, run by American psychologist Harry Harlow. Infant monkeys were separated from their birth mothers and given the option of two inanimate surrogates. One was made out of wire and wood and the other was covered in cloth. And the baby monkeys overwhelmingly favored the embrace of the cloth surrogate, even when the wire mother was the only surrogate that held a bottle of milk. And mm. from this, Harlow concluded that infant monkeys needed more than nourishment from their mothers to stay alive, and he termed it contact comfort. And as a result of Harlow's research, we now know that human beings need touch, particularly in childhood, almost as much as their basic necessities like food and water. Mm -hmm. I think uh, I read into that study and it was saying that like the monkey, the uh, the infant monkeys or whatever would go get food mm -hmm. from the one, but then always come back to embrace mm -hmm. the one they felt the most comfort in. Mm -hmm. um, touch is one of the like first senses to develop. And after birth, parents are now encouraged to have more skin to skin contact and show affection with children early on. And that's because touch plays such an important role in cognitive and behavioral development. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, the amount of touch during this period in development can also affect how you feel and perceive touch in other social behaviors. Now, I, I saw that back in the 60s or it's like 50s or 60s, child development experts encourage parents to withhold physical contact. Mm -hmm. And I read that like the accepted amount of touch was like a pat on the head or oh, a kiss God. on the forehead before you go to sleep. So mm -hmm. I think you could probably draw a link between that and people in positions of power nowadays because you'll mm -hmm. see some of the decisions being made that affect our everyday life and make you be like, damn, like, how can you be so so cruel right? or whatever? And I think uh, I don't think they got touched enough. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense. And just, I mean, I know everybody's parents aren't the same, but a lot of times, I don't know, maybe if it's within different communities, I know within our community, the African-American community, um, touch is not something that's frequent. You don't think so? No, not like, I don't. What's your experience with it, like, growing up, if you could say anything on that? I mean, mostly, like, we will hug and embrace only when... It's like we're leaving to go somewhere far, not just like on an everyday. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's yeah. not like if I if I'm seeing you every single day, we're not gonna give hugs and stuff like that. It's only if I'm not gonna see you for a long time. Yeah, no, that's true. You know what I mean? That's true. But it should be frequent, and especially um, as you get older, because usually all the embraces and affection is for the younger kids. It's like once you get start hitting that like preteen age, I feel like, you know, it's kind of starting. It gets taken away. Yeah. And I, th I feel like part of I mean, at least when I was younger, you know, I, I you go through that stage where you're like, I hate my family. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh -huh. I don't want to hug you. Get away from me, mom. Yeah, has, yeah. has Shay hit that yet? No. No. Mm -hmm. He's still giving you kisses in the morning. Yeah. But I've always I've always been super duper affectionate with him, though. Yeah. Yeah. So on purpose or is this yeah, on, purpose. You, on purpose? Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> mm -hmm. Um before we move on, um I did not know before doing this research, I did not know how vital just holding a baby after birth was. Mm -hmm. Uh lack of physical affection can actually stop like children from growing. Mm -hmm. 
And like they did this study of children that were raised in orphanages and uh, they don't have the constant touch that they would need and they begin to fear or avoid touch, mm-hmm. which is like very interesting. Yeah, it's like foreign then, to them. Yeah. And then you read like these like serial killers and stuff and like one of the most common things that they have across the board is abuse. Mm-hmm. But we always tend to think of abuse as unwanted touch. But mm-hmm. from what we're talking about, it could just be the lack of it. Yeah. Yeah, They, I saw that they said less touch as a child leads to greater violence. And um, American developmental psychologists proposed that the origins of violence in society were related to the lack of mother and child bonding. Mm-hmm. So that will end up resulting in lifelong emotional disturbances. Mm. <laughs> emotional disturbances sounds crazy i know right Jeez, right. but i mean touching back on what i said about my family i'm not sure if anybody else can relate but i don't feel like i was in lack of you know what i mean of um affection and mm. touch just because that was the norm you know what yeah. i mean so i didn't feel any type of way about it but as I'm growing up and seeing it's just like learning how important touch is and how good it makes you feel, you know, it's like, let's change the narrative. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) All right. Let's see. Oh, so what I found really interesting was that I found a few articles on this actually talking about how men suffer the most from lack of touch. Mm -hmm. And, Going through the articles, they were saying that the source of our collective American distrust of male touch is rooted in how we raise our sons. And ironically, we think that too much gentle platonic touch will ruin our boys, you know, like make them too needy, make them weak. Mm. So typically, comforting touch is withdrawn from American boys at an early age. While toddlers are held and comforted, boys as young as five and six are encouraged to like shake it off and man up when they get hurt. Mm-hmm. And young boys will find that their options for gentle platonic touch just like simply fade away. So boys who cry when they're injured are stigmatized as crybabies and expected to suppress their more fragile emotions. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think when you say like men suffer the most from touch, mm-hmm. I think men suffer a lot, suffer from like a lot of things that mm-hmm. kind of just get talked away mm-hmm. or shooed away. A lot of things that men suffer from are things that like we champion. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I think makes it the most dangerous because it's one thing to, it, well, nah, it's almost like they se- we celebrate some of the things that men suffer with. Right. Like, no, oh, I don't need to be touched or I don't need to be emotional. That's good. He's a man. Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we can spend episodes upon episodes diving into like male interaction with one another. Mm-hmm. But um, men, I think we we touched on it before men expressing themselves to each other is like super limited. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like everything kind of gets thrown off to being gay. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm going to continue on with this article. I have a few more points that I grabbed from it. So they're saying that by the time the boy, the men are reaching puberty, um, most boys will have learned to only touch in aggressive ways through rough housing and team sports. Mm-hmm. And like you just said, boys who seek gentler, longer forms of platonic touch are, immediate, are immediately at risk of homophobic backlash. 
So they're saying when they do seek gentle touch in their lives, it is expected to take place in the exclusive and highly sexualized context of dating. And that puts a lot of pressure on these young boys and girls. And then at the same time, boys who are gay face the double whammy of isolation and they have to internalize homophobia themselves. Mm -hmm. So the lifelong lack of platonic touch in the lives of boys ultimately result in the loss of the clear distinction between platonic touch and sexual touch. And boys have two unspoken lessons just kind of dumped on them that... One, all touch is sexually suspect, and two, find a girlfriend or give up human contact. And, <laughs> Damn, you know? that was that was my options. Back yeah, when like I was that great. Age. And young men starving for touch end up seeking it in the sexual realm. This and, is true. Yeah, and it said men key in on sex as an attempt to bridge their way back to the gentle, comforting touch from their distant childhood childhoods and sex ends up taking on the role of fulfilling both sexual and platonic needs platonic touch needs Mm. and this can result in judging every physical interaction with a person against the sexual pleasure metric and for many men sex becomes validation and the metric for defining a good life and having no access to platonic physical comfort can lead to an obsession like an, uh, an obsessive focus on sex um yeah that makes 100 percent yeah right i was like shit but they did say that a huge culture shift is taking place i think with the promotion of breaking down gender stereotypes um Mm. you see more men reaching out using platonic affection especially towards their children and family members that's good yeah that's good Mm -hmm. yeah i mean i think i grew up I got a Jamaican father, so there there wasn't that much touch between mm-hmm. him and I. But I was I was a mama's boy. I was sitting on my mom's lap till I was grown. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, <laughs> I think that's that's very insightful, mm-hmm. especially with how much um. I feel like I grew up very over sexualized, but you always think of over sexualized as like what you see on TV, mm-hmm. and never. Just the the nuanced things you pick up. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Why do you think you grew up over sex overly sexual? Huh? So you got to elaborate on that, Zay. I do. Yeah, like what do you oh, mean by shit. that? Um, just the I, I don't feel like you um feel like it was just around you a lot without much well, explanation. Always, yeah, yeah, like okay, I never got to talk. Mm-hmm. You know, like you would think, you know, in the sitcoms or whatever, like the come father comes in tells you about the birds and the bees. Never got mm-hmm. that. But what was interesting was I remember one time I got caught watching porn, mm-hmm. got my ass whooped, mm-hmm. and I think that would have been the best time to start putting context towards sex. Yeah, you know right, what I mean, right? Definitely. We live and we learn. <sighs> yeah, uh, but so in general, when we talk about giving out hugs, it seems like it has a childish association with it, mm-hmm. as if once we pass adolescence, we shouldn't hug people anymore. <laughs> because it's like it does seem i don't know like i'm like i said i'm a hugger so like i have gotten that sometimes where it's just kind of like why do you want to hug like like you've got who didn't want to hug you not Brit? like not like not like that <laughs> but in a sense where it like it's kind of deemed as childish you yeah, know like yeah. i don't know i guess certain settings hugs aren't always okay like work and stuff like that mm. but I guess you have to take it case by case because you do have to make sure that a person is consenting to you touching them. <laughs> Just don't run up touching people. That makes nah. me cringe. 
Especially if it's from the back, like I don't see it coming. Yeah, you gotta brace yourself for it. Yeah, I don't I don't like that. No. Nah. But from what I did see, uh the Western culture, which is where we reside, um, lacks touch. Mm-hmm. And it says that in our culture we have touch has a higher association with sex than it does with platonic interactions. Mm-hmm. And there's a common fear that touch and opposite sex interactions is an indication for a desire for a romantic relationship and Mm. this fear of course is heightened in male male to male interactions um female only interactions are not as afraid to the same degree as men but platonic touch is still not as abundant as it should be for the preservation of our mental health so within our western culture we do have a no touch policy within our school system I didn't know it was like a whole thing, like to me this neither. degree. Me neither. I didn't know like you can get in trouble for hugging mm-hmm. in school. Yeah. Um. So the fear of sexual abuse. Um. A lot of schools have recently implemented no touch policies. Mm-hmm. I think it may be all public schools, honestly. Um. Oh, and no, they can, because they touch you at the private schools. oh my god it's not funny (laughs) all right but they believe that this no touch policy is at the heart of so much aggression in our schools and in our society um and the arguments that are against the no touch policies is that it prevents young children from learning what appropriate touch looks like especially if those kids do not receive enough physical affection at home yeah it's kind of a shame that like our solution to limit like inappropriate touch mm-hmm. just take is it to away. remove it period <laughs> right like it's always extremes you know yeah it's um, never like educate and yeah instead of like us focusing on what appropriate touch is it's Oh, we just got to make sure nothing bad happens. Mm-hmm. So just remove it all together. Mm-hmm. It's weird. Right. And they're all saying that kids need to practice physical touch amongst themselves and with adults to learn what is appropriate and learn how to read the body language of the person receiving their touch. Mm-hmm. And this will inform them whether their touch is welcome or not. And it is crucial to learning how to set boundaries within any type of interaction. Um, at the school I worked at, it was for um, it was like for special needs. So that was a big part of what we did at the school as far as like making sure they understood personal space and what's like how to appropriately touch someone or show affection uh, because a lot of them would either hit when they wanted to show affection because they didn't know how to properly do it Mm -hmm. or they would just be all up in your personal space. They just walk up and start touching you. And it's like, you can't do that to people. (laughs) You You ever ever one of those people like that, like every time they laugh, they hit you? Yeah, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, like hit you hard. It's like, ah, ah, like, whoa, calm down. (laughs) But all right, so back to the no touch policy. (laughs) Um, Older kids, they seem to have the no touch policy in place implemented on them in regards to them with their peers, Mm -hmm. more so than how they interact with like staff and faculty and. Like you just said, some of the kids could face detention, suspension, or possible expulsion for touching another student, whether it's like giving a hug. Some schools even have banned high fives. <laughs> and, how, how, I don't get that. Like, What's wrong I'll, with I'll the say high it fives? in a minute. So, because like they're saying basically like 
sometimes the hugging will linger in the hallway, then it'll turn to roughhousing. You know, it's like a large group of kids, I guess. Maybe just someone. the 40s? I'm just saying, like, if you think about it, like, how kids are, say, like, you're going around hugging and so much joking, oh, you hugging so-and-so, and they might push the guy, like, messing with them and stuff, and then, you know, kids just play too damn much. But then also, they had an issue with some of the hugs being a little too sensual. <laughs> mm. You know what I mean? Um, so, I think, I don't know, when I was in, it, well, let me, let me, throw me off. All right, so it is argued that Friendly hugging and appropriate physical contact is important to social development during emotional periods of childhood and adolescent development. Mm. So that was bringing me back to my point. I wanted to say, like, I remember in high school and middle school, always hugging my friends. Yeah. Like, it was it was part of, like, what made your day, like, more tolerable being at school, you know, like, in between mm. changing classes, you see a friend, maybe you didn't have class with anymore or something like that, you know, and you got to hug them. Um, if you had a crush on someone, you got to hug them. Um, it kind of like satiated that need. Um, not to say that it was like a sexual need, but you, you're, you're satisfied. You got to touch the person. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? So it's like, you don't feel so ah, like when you're finally around the person, like I never touched you before. It's not like a overwhelming situation. Yeah. You remember that, like that innocent high you would get? Like when mm-hmm. you broke that touch barrier with somebody, mm-hmm. like the first time you held hands, right? <laughs> but even in like your new relationships, because we always make it like seem like it's childhood stuff. But even if like you were in a new relationship as an adult, like that first hug mm-hmm. or that first like uh, she's laying on my shoulder, right? <laughs> like it's still that little kitty mm-hmm. innocent high. I think it's funny, right? But I think. In regards to the high schoolers, um, instead of banning touch, because that's just weird, um, I think they should set guidelines and talk about what's appropriate and what's not and make sure that the person consents. Because I I remember guys running up and grabbing on me that I did not want to. Mm-hmm. So, you know, talk about making sure the person consents to the touch and make sure that they're giving a hug in a platonic, not overly sexual way. And, you know, just educate them on appropriate ways to touch instead of just punishing them. And those who do touch inappropriately will be reprimanded. And as far as the younger kids, I think it's important to talk to them and demonstrate appropriate touch and give them a place where they can go to talk within the school if they feel like they've been violated. Mm -hmm. And they should encourage it as something to be spoken about so they feel empowered if they need to do so. So I I I definitely agree with that. It's the school's job to educate. Right. Um, you can't just reprimand everything. Mm-hmm. You got to give context. I think it's like super important that we get context. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of the things that, especially as children, yep. that's why I never liked the the attitude of some adults mm-hmm. that would just be like, don't worry about it. This is adult business. Oh my God. Right. I, that was the one thing that used to just ooh, get under my skin because I just, just wanted like, to know why. And my son, he, he makes fun of me because he's like, mom, you always like over explain stuff. And I'm like, because I need you to fully understand why this is yeah. going on. <laughs> I think um, a lot of the communication, everybody thinks about um, communication with children as what's said. But I think one of the biggest way kids learn is the stuff that's not said. Mm-hmm. I think you probably learn more about the things that don't have context. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean learn in a good way. 
Right. That means you're you're forced to connect the dots yourself. And if you don't have context of things and you're connecting the dots, it can really rear its ugly head later on in life. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right. So what's also worth speaking on, um, people who are imprisoned, uh, lack touch. They get in touch too. Don't don't do that. <laughs> Baze. More more specifically, those in solitary confinement. Well, that's just inhumane. Well, yeah, the solitary so confinement thing is said, super inhumane. Right, they said that an estimated eighty thousand Americans are currently held in some form of isolated confinement, and almost two thousand of those people have been in isolation for six years or more. Um, sure. There's groups fighting to end long-term solitary confinement. They want to push it so that keeping someone in uh, confinement for longer than 15 days is considered torture. It is torture. Right. People are social beings, yo. If you get a, like, put put 15 people in a decent-sized room, I guarantee they're not going to be spread across the room mm-hmm. away from each other. They're mm-hmm. going to congregate some way, even if they're not friends. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like there is a desire, and maybe not skin to skin, but just to be around people. So, well, the fact yeah, that... that and this, the breakdown that happens mentally yeah. from not even having eye contact with someone, um, things start to unravel. Yeah, for sure. Um, there was a hunger strike in New York in June of this year. I didn't even I know remember about that. this. Oh, nah, you did? Nah. You saw yeah, it? Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, and they were activists and survivors of solitary confinement were trying to convince lawmakers to vote on a bill to end long-term solitary confinement. And the bill would also ban the practice for those younger than 21 years old, older than 55, and people with physical and mental disabilities. And Colorado ended their use of solitary confinement in 2017, and right now, lawmakers in New York and, and New Jersey are working to overhaul its use in the in those states. And there's a lawsuit currently in Virginia that's also challenging its use of solitary confinement. I was trying to find um, which states still allow it, but I couldn't find like a compiled list. Because they hide in it. <laughs> yeah, I saw one thing and it was like a lot of like uh no information available i'm like what how is there no information available but okay (laughs) jeez uh but another another um group of humans that suffer and kind of live in an imprisoned life in a sense are elderly people uh they are also a large portion of those who suffer from lack of touch and because many seniors live alone they often mm. don't experience the simple act of touch on a daily basis because maybe their spouse or close friends have passed away, their families live in other states, or they have physical limitations that may affect their activity, like they can't really get up out the house, yeah. uh, so that limits their contact with others. Maybe this, like, this, you know, nursing homes are always frowned upon, like, you never put your parents in a nursing home, maybe that's a good, not a good reason to put one in, but... That would force them to be around people and their peers. Yeah, I guess so. But then and I, I also saw... heard, in the, yeah, I heard in the nursing homes are getting <laughs> nasty in there too, yo. Yeah, and then they be they... getting it in. Yo, really? No, they do. Yeah, they'll be like mad. What's it called? Like STDs in nursing homes. They say like don't ever oh, use God. the the silverware and stuff in nursing homes. I'm not lying, yo. We Where can look they... this up. Oh my God, I guess they wrong, huh? Yeah, I mean. 
They still got, they, and they bored. They grow. Can't just they play do, bingo and eat pudding forever. Like <laughs> I remember when I was in school, that was one of my ideas for an, a TV show. Was, I was gonna do an old folks home. No, that's cool. It was gonna be like a kind of King of the Hill. Still do that type slash. I don't remember what else. Family Guy ish type. Nah, not as not as not as slapstick as Family Guy, but kind mm. of like a King of the Hill vibe. That'd be dope. And they were just in there cutting up. Don't steal our ideas. <laughs> That's still on the table, yo. BZ Podcast Productions coming soon. Oh my gosh. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but um so with this isolation and loneliness, it's linked to high blood pressure, obesity, heart disease, a weakened immune system, depression, cognitive decline, Alzheimer's, and early death. <laughs> Well, shit. I don't know how early, if we're saying elderly, but early death. Well, you know, like when they, like, dying of a lonely heart is like oh, a right. real thing. Yeah, that that it must be what they mean. Kind of proved it, right? Mm-hmm. So it is important to remember this when you're spending time with a senior in your life, that when you are with them, make sure you touch them. Embrace. Embrace them. You know, hold their hand, touch their arm, stroke their hair, give them a (laughs) hug. (laughs) What? Head rubs are so nice. Yo, let me tell you something. So I used to get my hair cut Mm -hmm. at this like salon. This dude that used to cut my hair back when I was in like high school, him and his wife years Mm -hmm. later opened up their own like, it's like a spa and all this stuff. It's real fancy, yo. Mm -hmm. But he used to wash your hair before you got a haircut. Bruh, I used to fall in love with whoever was touching my hair. <laughs> Every time, like, I, I wanted to get her number after. I remember one time she, like, flicked the sud out my ear, like, ever so Yo, gently. I'm done. Just scooped it out. <laughs> I said, girl. Bye, <laughs> <laughs> Nah, but head rubs. And my head bald, yo. Shit, touch my head anytime. <laughs> Just let us out that pop. <laughs> Slap that bitch. Slap the shit out my head. It's like, nah. But yeah, head rubs are the best. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they were saying ways to combat that skin hunger, especially if you're a single person, is to get a massage, of course. Yeah. Um, if you can afford it. What massages about the people that are too like ticklish for massages? I would say, because there's different spots that you can get massaged, you know what I mean? Mm. And different amounts of pressure. So if you're ticklish on your rib cage, I would just ask for them to avoid that area. True. You know what I mean? You, you can customize it. Or two, if some people are not as comfortable as getting the whole booty butt naked massage, you know, mm-hmm. they can just get a chair massage where you just get like your neck and shoulders done. Um, mm-hmm. There's hand massages. You can get your feet massaged. They do have those like shorter sessions where you can target a, a specific area and honestly a lot of those like quick massage like those quick little massage parlors you're fully clothed yeah i've been to those before and they feel nice um but they're also saying that like there's a study with elderly people massaging babies um that just doesn't even sound right but anyway they're probably went to a hospital was working in the NICU or something like that but there was they found that the effects were greater um them giving the massage they had greater effects on them than them actually receiving it so you giving a massage to somebody also can be beneficial 
in terms of touch. That's um, interesting. Right? But and, you always, like, whenever you give, you always receive. Everybody forgets that. Everybody mm-hmm. thinks giving is such, like, a selfless act. But, like, anytime yeah. you, you get a boost from that. So, yeah. it kind of makes sense. Yeah. Um, and it's just, like, the energy transfer, too. I should have looked more into that, guys. Damn. Damn. I got y'all next time. I didn't right. look at exactly what energy transfers. Um, but that would make sense that when you touch someone, you're connecting to them. Um, although you can connect with someone without touching them, but that boosts it. Um, I don't know. I think that's why when I meet people, I love I love making a point to touch people. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, um, oh, so also they're saying if you have a pet, that also can help with uh, touch deprivation, like holding your pet, stroking them. And I saw also weighted blankets are also a good way um, to help with touch deprivation because it's heavy enough to press down onto your skin and it stimulates your pressure receptors and triggers that vagus nerve activity. No, not for me. You I'm not doing no weighted blanket. No, I'm not. I don't want to be confined. I need to spring into action and go on fuck around. <laughs> Whatever. No. <laughs> They have different weights, so there's there's levels. Uh-uh, I, I need to be able to, you know what I mean, jump up. <laughs> Steal a nigga if I got to real oh quick. Oh, my God. It ain't going to hold you down that hard. Imagine. Imagine if it was that heavy. <laughs> right? That's dangerous. Sleep paralysis. <laughs> but, I mean, I think after going through this information, there's a lot of information on touch, so kind of tried to break it down into a little concise little package for this episode. Mm-hmm. But I, I do want to reach back around on this and go into the energy transfers because I think that's really interesting. But I think um, you should give love as often as you can when you are around people that consent to your platonic touch. Like, kind of don't let that opportunity pass because it is beneficial for your health. So it's kind of, like, selfishly motivated. But at the same time, we're both we're both getting something out of it. Mm-hmm. So if you're around a loved one or friends, I would say make sure you are touching them as often as you can. As often as they feel comfortable. It might be like, all right, get the hell off of me. Like, my, <laughs> my cat right now is not consenting because I do not want him to touch me. And he keeps forcing himself on me. And I don't like it. So you want that Brit lap? <laughs> Brit lap, comfy. <laughs> That's all you see is the lap. I got time. I was like, I did not consent. Right. But anyway, um, you know, you always think about like the senses and stuff, and like you always, you ever play games with yourself and be like, yo, what if I was blind? And like, close your eyes and see, <laughs> yeah, how difficult it would be, uh-huh. or like, you know, what I mean, or I don't know. I would ask crazy questions like, yo, if you had to lose a, a sense, what would it be? Your sight or your or your uh, hearing? You know, <sighs> Jesus. where would you go? Um, but I, I'm only bringing that up because you never think about touch as a sense. Oh, right. You don't. Jesus. And it's the one thing you're doing at all times. Right. Oh, my God. Isn't that crazy? I know. Damn. That is some people can't feel right. Isn't that like a condition, so. like a rare yeah, condition? Yeah, yeah like that's a rare con- scary. Right. You can't do nothing. How do you? you can't that's walk. Mad emo. <laughs> you wouldn't like even be able to walk though, because you can't, I can't feel. feel. You'd be like, be like, like, no, seriously, I can't feel. Right, it's Batman. That's the only nigga that can't feel. <laughs> anyway, <God>. but random <laughs> thought. Yeah. 
because I didn't know when I was going to fit this in. But this made me think of Stevie Wonder. Mm-hmm. And God bless Stevie Wonder. I've expressed a Brit, I might not have expressed to the podcast, the day that we lose him, I'm mm-hmm. going to be in shambles. We're probably going to miss a week of the podcast that, <laughs> that day. But anyway, knock on wood. Mm-hmm. But it made me think about how his disability makes him better at what he does. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, when they say one sense is taken away, everything else heightens. But imagine writing a song and not being able to see and having to describe things mm-hmm. with your other senses. So I think in a way, um, his sense of touch goes way deeper and it translates through his music mm-hmm. because he can describe things like honestly i think sometimes us having sight handicaps us yeah that makes sense that does make sense random thought cool say yeah but i will say just to touch back on energy um i guess to you you should you should be wary though of who touches you can't let everybody touch in that yeah that is that is a real thing um or at least be able to protect yourself in your own energy so that you're not absorbing uh some bullshit yeah <laughs> and if you're going to decide that you want to go out touching people make sure you have good energy on you like don't go holding people's babies and you got all this <laughs> negativity balled up within you yo babies will let you know though they go instantly babies feel the fun this nigga creepy give up off me you know, awfully nasty. Uh. <laughs> You're not my mama. I'm done. <laughs> but yeah, make sure your energy's right too before you go off touching and hugging up on people. That stuff Facts. transfers. But yeah. Facts. So, what do you do if like you get somebody yucky energy off you? What can you do? Uh, uh, take a shower. Take a shower. It's a spiritual shower. Yeah, <laughs> sage. Um, just. I don't know. I think you have to just kind of walk around with a sense of protection around you always mm. that you, you're you not going to observe, uh, absorb certain stuff and just keep that in your mind and in your whole being. I don't know how to exactly explain that. It's yeah. kind of like a practice because I know I absorb stuff that I shouldn't absorb. <laughs> All the time. It's a sponge. But that's also because I end up getting wrapped up in whatever bullshit. And that's that's the way I have to protect myself is to not get wrapped up in people's bullshit and realize that their problems are not mine. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. But I don't, I don't have anything else on touch at the moment. Um, I don't think I have anything else neither at the moment. Uh, this is a good episode. I like this. Cool. I like touch. 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 <laughs> All right. Um, as always, thank you so much for listening. Um, I guess for the week, I'll leave you with find somebody that you love and hug them just a little bit longer than you than you normally would. Or hug someone that you normally wouldn't hug. Yeah. But appreciate the people that you love, too. Yeah, 
I no get one's that. Wild. But everybody <laughs> needs love. Like we're like we're not showing love to each other. So if you're normally around a friend and you don't hug them, give them a hug if they want it. Facts. Touch is such a touchy subject. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Because then you get into like the personal space and that turns into how a about, whole thing. How about we push people to uh, see if you can practice platonic touch? Mm-hmm. Since from what we've learned that that's lacking. And I mean, platonic touch can literally be a high five. Well, you can't it do It could be a handshake. Uh, shut up. <laughs> 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 but yeah, like platonic touch doesn't always have to be a hug. It can literally be a pat on the shoulder, um, mm-hmm. a high five handshake. What's that little uh, what's the little thumb thing hair on? I used to do the woo woo woo. What? Him and uh Gerald's like they little Oh oh you're talking to get hey Arnold, right? <laughs> I said that. I didn't hear you. Never mind. I just said woo woo Like what are you talking about? <laughs> Never mind. Alright, y'all. Oh yeah. Um till next week. Please reach out, let us know what you think on touch, give us ideas. We'd love to hear from y'all. Yes, you can hit us up at BZ Podcast on IG, uh, BZ Podcast at gmail.com, and on Twitter. If you want to hit us up on there, we are at Brit and Zay. Good luck. All right, y'all, we're out. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> Peace, you guys. Bye bye. Just back into it and let it touch. Keep the lights on.